Hello everyone, Jose Zeiss here and a very happy Mother's Day to you moms. Let me just add that greeting. And I would encourage you to go out and have brunch and spend, you can't. And this is one of the weird ones. So I do pray a blessing over every one of you and especially moms as we try to figure out what it means to celebrate these special days in confined ways. Well, here we are, we're in the series called The Way of Jesus and we're looking at what this life is that Jesus told his early followers about. Remember uh, Matthew 4, 17, Jesus came and he, he preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. God's closeness, God's goodness, God's grace has come near to you. And remember, as we learned so far, Jesus didn't just talk about this God at work amongst his people, but he did it. And before he teaches them on a hill and they're listening to, to his words, what does he do? He demonstrates it. So Jesus goes from town to town and he goes to the synagogues and he teaches this good news of God's closeness. He comes proclaiming the good news. He comes demonstrating the good news. And what we're doing 2000 years later is we're trying to figure out, right? How do we live into this life that Jesus laid out for us. Well, last week, if you missed it, please watch because we talked over the last two weeks about what the blessed life is. How does Jesus define what it means for you and I to live with his, his blessing? What I define as his favor, his, his good work in our lives, his grace. And we saw that it, it's not what the culture says. People define blessing as happy circumstances or good tangible things in the here and now, good experiences, good bank accounts, good jobs. And Jesus says blessing is way deeper than that, which is why we ended last week with this strange pronouncement. The last two blessings that Jesus gives are verse, uh, chapter five, verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Jesus says, rejoice. You could be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Remember, heaven isn't just a future out there place, although that is true. Heaven is God's dwelling place, God's presence. So Great is your reward in God's presence for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus can say, your life is blessed as his follower, even when your circumstances do not look good. And in their particular case, when, when people look down on you, when they act uh, differently towards you, when they treat you with snide remarks or they treat you with outright persecution because you follow Jesus, Jesus says, even in that, blessing is yours. God's goodness, God's grace, God's favor that we don't deserve now and in the future because of him. Well, in my Bible, the next few verses have a new subcategory that say salt and light. What I want you to know is we're going to read the next few verses, verses 13 through 16, but this is one extended thought. Okay, so Jesus has told us, we looked for two weeks at what blessing looks like. Remember, he announces them. He doesn't say, you must become meek in order to inherit the earth. You must become poor in spirit to experience the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, because you follow me, you are these things. These things are true about you. Now, the thought continues in verse 13, so let's just read it. He says, you are the salt of the earth, 
but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14, you are the light of the world and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives a light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus's announcement, you are salt, you are light. It comes on the heels of his announcement of blessing. These are the people that you now are. Even though you don't feel that way, even though your circumstances don't look that way, you are blessed. Now, in, in unlike English, when you're writing in Greek, what you can do in order to give extra emphasis is you can, you can move words around. Um, you run to the store. Let's use a foolish example. You run to the store. Okay, great. Uh, that sounds like it makes sense in English. But in, in Greek, if you want to emphasize one part, like if you want to emphasize running, you can actually word order it, run you to the store. That makes no sense in English. But different languages have different ways of expressing emphasis. And in Greek, what's at the front can be used for emphasis, kind of like us highlighting a word or making a word a big font. Here Jesus announces, you all are, and then salt of the earth. And then a couple of verses later, you all are. He front loads it in his statement to emphasize, just like he said in the blessings, this is now true of you. So the two metaphors we want to look at today speak to who Jesus has made us. And because Jesus has announced us over our lives, because Jesus has said these things are true of us, there is a sense as his disciples, these are announcements, but these announcements lead to a way of living. And we'll get to that at the end. What does it mean for you to be salt? What does it mean for you to be light? Let's just look at the first one. Uh, you're the salt of the earth. Now, this is, again, such a common statement that even in English, it's kind of like an older English way of saying it, but you, you could say about someone, oh man, he or she is, she's the salt of the earth. And, and by that, you mean like, uh, they're a nice person, right? Uh, salt of the earth, they're like a, a good person. People have taken the words of Jesus and it's become so commonplace that they've made it kind of a metaphor about how that person's uh, a nice guy, a nice lady, a good person. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. Uh, salt, what does it mean to be the salt of the earth? Well, salt in their day was so important. It was so valuable, like we trade money or you know, you, you exchange, whether it's Apple Pay or Venmo or one of the many other apps where we trade currency or you can use dollars, which everyone's scared to touch now. <laughs> Electronic banking is gonna increase because people don't wanna, damn, I don't wanna touch that currency, it's dirty. But we trade in commodities, you can trade in, in gold if you have that kind of asset. Back in the day, salt was so valuable and so important, people actually traded in amounts of salt. Now what did salt do? Because a lot of their meat or fish was caught fresh, but then it was, it was shipped off to another town or another village. You packaged it in salt. It was, it was a preservative. Salt was used, at least in small quantities, to adjust 
the mineral in the soil, like you can sort of fertilize or change the balance in a soil to make it more useful using salt. And then obviously we all know is if, if you want good flavor in your food, food you're just gonna throw in some salt. salt. Salt adds the flavor or enhances the flavor that's already there. And so salt isn't an important thing. And so here's what Jesus, he takes a common metaphor, something super important, and he announces this over his disciples. You, my followers, catch this. You are the all important people and notice where. They're living in, in the Middle East and Galilee. He's, he's talking about you know, God's land, Israel. If you look at a map right now, you'll see that it's, it's super small in comparison to the whole earth. And this is what Jesus announces is the geography, the difference that you're gonna make, you, my disciples, is not just intended for Jerusalem, to Capolis, the 10 cities, Syria, by the Jordan, all of those regions. Wherever town you're from, whatever block you live on, uh, whatever your zip code is, so to speak, that is not gonna define the blessing of God that comes through your life. This is a massive announcement. And when they're, remember, as we said each week, he's speaking to ordinary people. This group of people does not see themselves as abundantly important. They're not the top of the top. They're not the super influential, but they've chosen to follow this Jesus. And he says, aha, because you belong to me, I'm announcing over you, your impact, your life will be felt on the earth. In other words, you may not see yourself as all that important, but Jesus announces to you because you belong to the kingdom of God, because Jesus is your true and rightful king, because he is making that difference in and over your life. Now your life, now my life matters. And then he follows up with a weird one about losing saltiness. He says, but if salt loses its salt, saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and, and trampled underfoot, foot, underfoot. What does that mean? Is, it, is Jesus saying like, watch out because I can lose my like preservative effect. I could lose the influence. I could lose my, my you know, tastiness or my enhancement, or I can lose this like value, this commodity. No. I think what Jesus is doing is what the good rabbis uh, did all the time. You, know, you answer a question with a question, or you answer a question with kind of a, an, an analogy statement. And I think what Jesus is saying is true. You can't unsalt salt. It, it is salty, right? And so what Jesus, I think, here is he's enhancing his statement about you and your life. Uh, if salt loses its saltiness, well, that makes no sense. Could it be made salty again? Well, that makes no sense. In other words, what Jesus is not saying, you have to live this certain way and then you will become useful. Actually, in the kingdom of God, it's in reverse. We come bankrupt. We come with our baggage. We come with nothing to offer God. But by his grace, he announces, he pronounces blessing, favor, you are who I say you are. And now he says to you and me, you and I, we all together. Now we want to individualize this and there's nothing wrong with that. But saying you mom, singular, like mom out there, you matter and you are making a difference to your children. Actually, that's true. 
uh, don't underestimate the value of your life. What you are doing, you may seem imperfect and you may feel flawed, but you are making a difference in the people under your care. But you got to remember, Jesus is speaking to whom? Not just four. Remember Peter, James, uh, Peter and Andrew, James, and John are the four disciples we know by name. He's not just speaking to them. He's speaking to the entire crowd. And in a sense, he's speaking to every Jesus follower. You all, y'all, for those of you in the South, y'all together are the salt of the earth. Every disciple together makes up this body of people. And what you and I are now because we belong to Jesus is making a difference on this earth. And Jesus is saying, it'd be foolish to say you, you can no longer be productive. You belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. We've been given the Holy Spirit. Our lives do matter and we are making a difference. And so when I see it this way, this doesn't mean that what I do is unimportant. Don't like mishear what I'm saying. Jesus' announcement over our life should give me value. It should give me a reason to quote unquote live salty. If Jesus has said, I and we together are making a difference, I ought to be saying as one of his followers, Lord, help me. I want to make the maximum impact. I want to make the biggest difference because you have made me someone, because you have made us someone in Jesus. We ought to long to make the biggest difference possible with our lives. But remember, these are announcements. Okay, so that's the first one. Let's just look at the second one. Uh, verse 14, so in the same way, you're the light of the world. Both metaphors are speaking to the same reality. So in, in a sense, the nine blessings, we need to see them all together. We have been blessed because Jesus has come to rule our lives and with the king comes the king's blessings. So in the same way, both metaphors speak to the same thing. You have the salt of the earth. Great, that means you and I are making uh, a difference in the culture. As God uses us as his people, we're gonna make a profound difference in the way our culture thinks, in the way our culture lives. We're gonna, in a sense, enhance the flavor of what God's doing in our communities. We're gonna be a, a bit of a preservative effect. I think what God does when the church is the church in all its fullness is the blessing of God can come to a community. It can come to a neighborhood. Think about your neighborhood. As multiple people are following Jesus in your neighborhood, it can make a real difference in the poverty level in your neighborhood. It can make a real difference in, in people's needs being met in your neighborhood. It can make a big difference on how your neighbors treat one another as Jesus' followers are salt and peppered, so to speak, uh, all over the community. As you live out your faith, it ought to make a difference in the neighborhood. Jesus is announcing that. And in the same way, you're the light of the world. What God's doing in us is gonna be, uh, be seen not just in one. Now, this is, this is a beautiful metaphor because notice what he says here. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Now, we look at that and say like, Ooh, what was Jesus's deep meaning? Well, you gotta remember the setting uh, you're living, if you've ever gone to the Middle East, it's filled with, you know, hills and valleys. And if you put a town in a valley, it's possible to go close to that town and miss it. I mean, just, I mean, this is like logic, right? You can go by an area within a half mile of an area, but if a town is sitting down in a valley, you may not realize it's there. What is Jesus saying? There's not like some deep spiritual meaning here. 
He's saying, if you go by a hill and you just look that way, you can't miss that a town is there. And in the same way, because you and I belong to Jesus, guess what? People are going to take notice of what the king and what his kingdom, God's presence, has come in your life. People are going to see it. They're going to experience it. They're going to know it's there. Jesus announces to his group of disciples, I am making a difference in you and the entire world is going to feel its effect and in a very real sense. If you look at the world right now, you cannot hide Jesus. Now, certain countries, certain cultures try to suppress the message of Jesus. But, you know, if statistics are true, there are probably more than a billion people that are following the way of Jesus in some way. Let, let's just say that's twice as big as it is. Let's just say 500 million people. It could be more. There could be 2 billion. I don't know. But a massive group of people around the world are following Jesus. And guess what? That makes a difference on planet Earth. And so the message of Jesus continues to go out. And Jesus, remember, he's speaking to 50, 100, 200, 500. Let's just say he even was speaking to a thousand people. He announces before he goes to the cross, before people fully know who he is, what I'm doing in you is going to multiply and you together are going to become like a city that's on a hill and the world is not going to be able to escape its notice. So a town built on a hill can't be hidden. Same thing like salt can't lose its saltiness. It's going to be, the effect is going to be felt in the same way because Jesus has come to live in all of us. People are going to see it. And then he says, neither do people, verse 15, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, most of their homes were one very, very small one, uh, one room huts. So you came into a house, you walked in, you see the whole thing. And he's just using a common analogy. Uh, in these small houses, they had these, these small little bowls and it was mostly filled with oil and there'd be a wick and, and the wick is lit and you, you would light. And you, you don't light the little lamp. You don't put it on the floor in the corner because every bit of oil matters. These are people who are living very simply. And so he's taking the most logical thing in your home with your one little lamp, you want to illuminate the whole room. And so everyone's got in the corner a stand, some little table, something. And so when you light it, of course, you put it on a lampstand and it illuminates the whole house. Jesus is announcing in the same way. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in any believer, what's going to happen is Jesus, by the nature of his transforming work, is going to take us and he is going to use us. We are going to be seen. And so many of us don't feel like God is using us in the ways we imagine. Don't you forget, you already are salt of the earth. Jesus is transforming you. And that difference that he's made in you is going to impact other people. And you together, all of us, we're the light of the world. And what we're doing, our little piece matters. And I think what a beautiful message to hear on, on Mother's Day. Now, when you hear that we are the light of the world, let's remember that word is also spoken about Jesus. 
I mean, remember Jesus, according to John, Jesus is the light of the world. John 8, 12, let me just read it to you. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I think this is beautiful and it's not contradiction. Yes, Jesus uniquely is the light of the world. I mean, there's no one who's sinless like Jesus. And notice the contrast. There's light and, and dark. And all over John's gospel, you get that contrast all the time. And Jesus, in a very dark and broken world, Jesus uniquely is the light of the world. And anyone who follows him will not stumble along in the darkness. They'll have the light that leads to life. So Jesus alone saves. But I love it because it's not a contradiction. Jesus is the light of the world, but he says to his disciples, to his followers, because you belong to me, in the same way you together are going to shine that light, that transforming power of the genuine true king who has come in Jesus. When people turn to him, even because of your life, let's just think about it. Answer this to yourself. Why did you start following Jesus? Why? Like what, what was the means that God used to bring you into the light? into the knowledge of who he is, into the recognition of your own sin and brokenness, and what, what led you to repent? What led you to have the change of mind that, that called you to say, you know what, I'm not gonna go my own way. I wanna go Jesus's way. Was it just reading the Bible? I think for some of us, maybe that's your story. You, you just read the Bible, you just read a book, you read something, and it struck you as true, and in your own search and journey, but we've done this when we've gathered together and I've asked the same question. And every single time, like every single time I've asked that to a group of people, hands down, the majority of people who've chosen to follow Jesus was primarily through the influence of someone else. In other words, yes, the truth of the gospel changes lives. You could just read the Bible, come to the conclusion that you need Jesus. And I think that's wonderful. But for most of us, Practically speaking, it's the influence of another Jesus follower, often a parent or some sort of older person who was already following Jesus that you looked up to and said, you know what, what they've got, I want. And in the same way, Jesus is the light of the world. Now he says to his people, now you together are the light of the world and people are going to see your transformed life. Not your perfect life, right? The only one is the genuine, true light of the world, and that's Jesus who's sinless. But they're gonna see the reflection of the transformation that the Spirit of God is bringing into your life. And because of that, you're gonna be like a city on a hill that's undeniable, inescapable. And because of you, many are gonna turn to him. And I think, you know, on Mother's Day, this is a great reminder, great message. I think of the influence of my parents who were new to faith. My mom and dad were new to following Jesus when myself and my brothers and my sister were just young. And so in one sense, we all got to know Jesus together. My parents were in their mid-20s. And obviously, you know, I was, I think, three or four when my parents started seriously following Jesus. And so collectively, we were all learning the Bible together. We were all learning what it means to follow Jesus. But it's because of the influence of, of my mom and dad and others around me that I, I saw that in my own young way, God was doing something real and I wanted what they wanted. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, my life was changed when I was just uh, seven years old 
eight years old was when I first can look back and say, do you know what? Jesus began to do something in me. And I think it's on a day like this where, at least in America where we celebrate Mother's Day, that we ought to be reminded, don't underestimate the power of what Jesus is doing as others are watching you even struggle with following him. Here's the beautiful thing, is when we choose to follow Jesus, yes, we've received the Holy Spirit, and our past is gone, forgiven, covered. Jesus continues to transform us. Notice though, when it comes to this whole light and dark, what Paul does, Jesus is the light of the world. We, we are the light of the world. And notice how, Jesus, uh, how Paul uses this metaphor to speak to what we ought to do in light of the fact that Jesus has changed us. Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. For you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Statement of fact, it's already happened. Jesus took us from darkness and he made us light. Now look at the implication. Live as children of the light. In other words, as we're continuing to let the Holy Spirit transform the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we live, here's what's gonna happen. You may feel like you haven't arrived, none of us have, but as you continue to want to live more like Jesus, other people are going to see even your desire to live a more holy life. And it's those very things that, not, not like you're pretending that you have it all together, but you living a genuine, honest life, it's gonna make following Jesus attractive to other people who realize they're not there, but they see how God is working in your life little by little, as the Ugandans say, slowly by slowly. As you once were darkness, you now are light. That's a fact, but now live. And now he tells us what that looks like. Find out for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Ephesians 5, 10, find out. So this, there's a fact, we are light, right? Jesus is the light, he made us light. But that doesn't mean we have it all together the natural byproduct is you and I as his followers should want to live as the light. What does it mean to be light? A city on a hill cannot be hidden. As people see you following Jesus, hopefully your struggle, your desire is gonna want them to follow in the same footsteps and follow Jesus as well. Okay, so we are salt, we are light. So how does this End. How does this little section end? Look at verse 16, Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As we choose to follow Jesus, right? That desire within us begins to change. This is the one command in here. Everything else is true of you. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Jesus has done that in you. Now, what, what should we do in light of that, right? What should we do? If these are facts, if these are truths about us, he says now, let your light shine, shine. Same thing, Ephesians 5, the same concept. Because you are now light in the Lord, live as children on the light of light and find out what pleases God. What's my part to play? because Jesus has done the changing, now the call is to live in a way that other people may see the change. 
And I think in this time where everyone's asking all of these questions because of this global struggle, this is an opportunity not for us to pretend that we have it all together, but rather to authentically talk about the good things that Jesus is doing in us right now. We can choose to talk about how peace is coming. Now, there are days where we all feel anxious. There are days that we all feel unsettled, but Jesus is changing us and Jesus has changed our mindset and Jesus is providing hope. And this is our opportunity to live as children of the light. And in the end, Jesus even reminds his disciples the big goal. Yes, we're to shine so that other people could see us, but the, the attention and the focus should never be on us. The end of the verse says, and glorify your Father in heaven. In the end, when we recognize who we are, when we remember who we are, and then when we choose to live into who we are, the goal is that God would get glory and that people would look upward, so to speak, towards him, never focusing the attention on us and, and look at who they are, and look at that church, who that church is, or, or look at who that, who that family is. The desire to live a, a perfect and, and display the, the perfect family shouldn't be the goal. If you're a mom or a dad, the goal isn't to even model, look how great that we are, but rather the goal is that people would see the transforming work of Jesus now and always, and they would see the work of the Father that they would be hungry not to mimic us, but to have the same kind of transformation and change that, that we have. So shine is the one command, but even the one command, the one thing we're called to do, the end goal is that people would see Jesus and say, like, man, I wanna follow him as well. All right, so let's just pull this all, all together. In light of who we are, how should we live? I think this is a helpful word for us if you're a mom or a dad or a parent, don't underestimate the work that God is doing in you that's being seen by others. It may seem like crickets and really small and really incremental. And right now it may be that you may feel like, man, my kids don't even, they don't notice anything. The only thing they notice is I keep saying no or keep saying stop it or keep sending them off into timeout or whatever you do. I don't feel like I'm making difference. Jesus declares over you, you are salt, you are light, what you're doing does matter, and the Father sees it. And don't underestimate the small steps of obedience that you're taking right now. You might not see the value, but Jesus expands our horizons and says, you're salt in your light, not just here, but in a bigger way than you ever imagined. And who knows what small steps of obedience that you're taking right now, how that's seen in the few people around you and how massive of a difference it's going to be in the next five, 10 and 15 years. That's one way we can take it. But as well, let's remind ourselves, none of us have it together. Jesus says you're salt and you're light, but don't be discouraged today if you feel like you're falling short. I think so many times that we berate ourselves at our lack of progress. We look at the negative. We look at the things that we don't have together. We look at the things that are not the way that we would even hope that they would be. Take courage, my friend. These start with God's blessings, God's announcements, and then there are commands. There are things that we're to do to partner with God, but don't miss the emphasis. 
Jesus knows the change he's making in you. And so if you're not yet there, what are we called to do? Matthew 4, 17, repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So two natural responses, I think that are, are always uh, the right response in light of the word of the God. First is say yes to Jesus. Remember, he's speaking to disciples who've already chosen to follow him. So every week we want to give you the opportunity, if you've not yet taken the chance to follow Jesus, if you've not yet said to him, look, I've been going my own way, I've been doing my own thing, then today, even make that declaration. Say what you already know to be true. God, I need you. And Jesus, I believe that you're the way and the truth and the life and the way to life with God is in and through Jesus. So if you want to take that step, even as we respond in prayer, just say yes in your own mind and heart. Yes, Jesus, today I want to follow you. I want to be one of these changed ones. I want to be transformed. And I choose today, Jesus, to hear your words and say yes. I think that's the natural first response. But for many of us, we've already done that. I think that the second natural response is to say yes to the opportunities that Jesus is giving you. Uh, right now, we're in limited mode in that we can't go as far as we'd like to. We're not able to travel as much as we'd like to. But don't underestimate the opportunities right in front of you. So even while we're in social quarantine, you've been given a few people that are in your direct relationship. Today, let's choose to allow the Holy Spirit to use us in small ways, maybe even in big ways, to be an influence wherever God opens the door. That may be on your next Zoom call this week. It may be in the conversation with your neighbor that you're able to spend a little time with, or even in the home that you're in right now. Wherever God has you, you are useful. Why? Because you belong to Jesus. And what a great reminder in a few moments we're going to celebrate by taking the bread and cup and remembering we're united to Jesus together and his work is a work that's done inside of us. More on that next week as we continue in what Jesus says in verse 17. The change he's making is a change that's deep within. Well, let's pray together and they're going to respond by taking the bread and cup and by singing in worship to Jesus. Lord, we stop and we just want to say thank you. Lord, thank you for the work that you're doing in us. Lord, we celebrate that because we've chosen to express faith in you, not because of our own goodness, our past, our pedigree, because our, our faith in you, Jesus, we say and declare we are children of God. Thank you. Thank you for your transformation. Thank you for your change. Lord, sometimes we forget it, but today we celebrate it. You have changed us. You are changing us. And we know in the future, you will transform us and we'll be with you and we'll see you face to face. But Lord, uh, today, open our eyes to see the open door. Lord, the people that you've put around us, God, we want to be an influence. We want to be a blessing to them because you have already blessed us in and through Jesus. So Lord, open our eyes to see what we've not yet seen. Open our ears to hear what we've not yet heard. And God, by faith, we want to take steps to make a difference in the world that you've given us, even if that world is just our own home right now. 
Thank you, Lord, for this grace. Thank you, Lord, for this favor. Thank you, Lord, for announcing that we, your people, are making a difference in your world because you're choosing to use us. We pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name, amen.